Hello and welcome to the Last Train Leaving Belgium podcast. I am your host, Anne-Marie Cannon. Last Train Leaving Belgium is a Belgium Rabbit production. It is a supplement to the soon-to-be-released documentary of the same name. Keep up to date with us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also find us at www.lasttrainleavingbelgium.com. We are an independent, ad-free podcast, but if you'd like to support the show, why not buy us a cup of coffee? You can do that through Ko-fi, links provided on episode notes as well as on our website. Now, Colette is the oldest child in our family. She was born in France in 1953, where our father, a member of the U.S. Air Force, was stationed at the time, and where he met our mother. My sister has been an entrepreneur since her mid-twenties, and for the last 20 years of my mother's life, she worked for my sister's company. Coletta brings a unique perspective to this narrative, in part because of that. To find out more about my sister, check out our episode notes. Today, we pick up where we left off last week in our interview with Coletta. And if you haven't done so already, I strongly recommend that you go back and listen to part one of the interview. Now that we've gotten to know our, our French family, we found, I found out that our grandmother could never um, be at peace with both of her sons at the same time. And she really constantly played them against each other. Oh, I didn't know that horrid stories about and um and and that translated all the way to when the younger brother Marcel passed away the first time in the middle of the trip mom's in my first trip to France when we Mm -hmm. and you were going to go visit him but he passed away before we were able to to get there so there's a whole other drama there Mm -hmm. um but you know that's that's it I think that the you know, if we if we want to really look at the war and the effects of the war, is that it, it destroyed the the thread that normally keeps the family together. Mm-hmm. And yet they did keep coming to visit us. I don't know anybody who has the documentation that we do as far as in film. Mm-hmm. Nobody from that time period that I've come across, anyone who sees what we have because of our grandfather, because he was a photographer, because he was, they were always taking pictures and film. You know, they did come here. And so there was a desire. There was a connection, but it was really, it was tense. Mm -hmm. And and each visit had its ups and its downs. And I think that last visit lasted longer. Um, I think when we were little, maybe when Patrick was born, I think his her mother came over and spent a longer period of time, but that was in the early, early years. Mm-hmm. So you talk about the pictures. And, you know, my favorite thing is I have equated what they did in the early years and why we have so many pictures of the early years. And by the time you came around, it was old hat. But how it used to, I call it the early Instagram. Because what would happen is our grandfather would send film over. Our mother would take pictures of us and events. 
and she'd send the roll of film over. Our grandfather would um, process the films and he would make these beautiful little books with the pictures. And so that was how our grandparents kept in touch with her, their daughter and their daughter's growing family. And that's mm. why we have such beautiful pictures and such mm. beautiful memories of those early years. And then, you know, as more and more kids come along, it was harder and harder to do. And then, you know, our grandfather retired and he no longer had a dark room. And, but, you know, as you know, that whole photography, it's almost like there's a photography gene because there's so many of us that, that um, Colleen, Colleen, it's her profession. You're our niece, yeah, yeah. Brothers, our brother Patrick's daughter. I have long pursued it as an avocation. And, um, you know, so many of, you know, you do as well. And, um, you know, there's, there is just something about, uh, about that. Photography. I guess that's our music. I always felt, felt cheated because nobody in her family was in it, you know, was, uh, played an instrument or sang or anything like that. And I was always jealous of other families that had that as part of their fabric, their family fabric, but visual arts is our. That's our legacy. It really is. It is our legacy. And, you know, we're concentrating on our mother here, but what you're doing with your writing, with your novels, with your documentary about our mother, you're really carrying on the legacy of our father, who was, was Irish. Yeah. He was a consummate storyteller. And having been, a, you know, a policeman, and I remember when he used, when he would be on night shifts, so he would be coming home from a night shift, which is, was always the most interesting shift, while we were getting ready for school. And he would be taught, he would be regaling our mother with the stories of the night before. Oh, interesting. Look that. And then I don't know if you remember, but I mean, he was anybody come to visit Cleveland, and it's like, come on the tour. And the yeah. stories that he knew. And I know, I know. I wish I would have paid more attention. Pardon? I said I wish I would have paid more attention. Oh. But I mean, I think that's I think that's where you get it. That's where I get it. Is I moved to to Pittsburgh later in my life, and it's an interesting place. It's like I'm always looking for the stories behind, mm -hmm. and I do the same thing now. I don't have quite the color our father did, you know, given his profession and the fact that he he grew up in in the town. But but you know, we are we are products of both of them, and we do. Yeah, have definitely. Well, and the way that they met was he was bringing film into the um, our grandfather's shop to be developed. So that's right. That's interesting. I never. That's a good way to think of it. Yeah. So I, you know, I have more gratitude. I have more as I get older. I appreciate where we came from and where our people came from. And at the end of the day, I think it's made us a much stronger lot than we might have been otherwise. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And you know, one thing I can't remember which sibling it was, but one of our siblings, everybody's been listening to the podcast. And I think it's when I talked to Odette. Maybe it was Pat and Mike, they both said something to the effect of, you know, that psychological perspective was really helpful. I never thought of it that way. So, you know, I think it's just, unfortunately, 
you know, or fortunately we see things differently. And that's how we do change the past. It's through looking at it mm -hmm. through our new, you know, what our new life experiences, I guess. And I, and I don't know about, it's interesting. Do, are we changing it or are we just, just getting a better look at it? It's like, you know, you started, it's, it's, it's very, very foggy and you can't really mm -hmm. see anything. And then through the storytelling, right. through the experiences. We're not uh, changing it, but I think that it's a good metaphor. More clear and more bringing it to life. Yeah. So one of the questions I wanted to ask you was, um, when did you realize, you know, this legacy that we have, this the significance of where mom came from in World War II? Like, do you remember when you started really thinking about that and how you thought about it? That's an interesting question. I'm trying to think about the various projects that I did in school. I did one um, when I was a, I might have been in seventh or eighth grade, middle school, maybe first year of high school. But when I look at it, it's put together mm -hmm. a little bit more like um, a late middle school that had, um, a lot of pictures of things in France. And I think, I mean, it's interesting because as I reflect, I don't think I was even really aware of that having an effect. I mean, of course we knew that our father met our mother when he was in the service, but you know, we joke about it being you know, the the Korean War period or the, the Korean military action is the more correct term for it. But there was no fighting. And and he was stationed as a um a supply depot sergeant. So it wasn't even the same military action. And I think there was, and I know this to be true with many friends of mine who have parents who've been in the second, you know, been in war. I mean, even younger people who have been in service and have been in more modern um, conflagrations, mm -hmm. the tendency is to not talk about it. They try to just wall it up and they don't want to bring it to their family. And I, I really think Interestingly enough, if you were to say, um, when did I really, did it really hit me, was when mom and I went back to Belgium. And I was standing there next to her in her grandmother's garden, oh, looking at that monument, and her telling me the story like she was in a trance. Wow. And then pieces started falling together. And yet I was an adult woman. I mean, we were talking 20 years ago. You know, I, I think that there's, and you know, it's, it's, it's true when you look at Holocaust survivors, mm -hmm. I mean, it's only in their later, later years. So many, so many people will tell me my grandmother, yeah. my grandfather was a survivor and I don't mm -hmm. know much about it. Yeah, I think we were really fortunate and I think you kind of broke, broke the ice by bringing her, getting her to go back to visit her brothers in the first place. Mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'll always be grateful to you for that because I think that opened the door for what came later with me 
working on this, you know, documentary and how that all came about. And I too, I mean, I, I too had that epiphany when I was there looking at that monument, thinking about like putting all the pieces together and the fact that, oh, she, here she is in World War II, the Germans are coming and she's right in front of that, you know, horrible, horrible massacre site. Right. And, and I mean, that, she, grew up, she grew up with those stories. She had been afraid her entire life mm -hmm. of the Germans. So right. it wasn't something that happened a month or two months before right. they got there it was a story that was told time and time again and she was very fond of her um of adele her aunt great yeah. aunt um and i i don't know if i told you this but i did find pictures from her wedding uh and i i figured out i pinpointed claire one of the children that was actually in the aqueduct when it happened mm -hmm. she was um, one of the older ladies in the in the wedding pictures and she survived and um, and then Adele, I figured out who she was. And, and there is a point where mom's in the cemetery when we're at, uh, when we're in Neff and we go to the family plot there and she's sitting there on a bench and, and I have my camera and I, I could see that something was going on in her head. And I said, mom, what's going on? And she just said, it's so sad. And she said, these people were at my wedding and it wasn't until I rewatched this for the 10th time that she said, Claire and Adele. And I, and it took me like a couple months ago, I realized that, Oh, Claire and Adele, they're in the pictures. And I went back and looked at all the pictures we have, thanks to our grandfather of their wedding and the footage. And, you know, I was able to pinpoint those people and mom was very fond of them. So it wasn't just like this idea of, uh, you know, like with us, our family that we didn't know in France, it was somebody who was close to her that she really cared about. If you haven't listened to the previous episodes, especially the two-part episode with Jeff Lipke's, I suggest you go back and listen to it to really understand the context of what we're talking about. To summarize, Adele and Claire are members of the Charlier family who were huddled along with dozens of others from their neighborhood in the cramped confines of an aqueduct beneath train tracks when German soldiers opened fire and threw hand grenades at, killing many innocent civilians, including three of Adele's children, Claire's siblings, and Adele's husband, during the World War I 1914 German invasion of Belgium. Yeah, for sure, for sure. The way that I, I was thinking of it and I hadn't thought about it in that from that mature kind of standpoint of really understanding it being there in front of that monument as an adult. But I remember uh, when my friend, my neighbor friend Nancy, she was my friend and she got mom to come and talk to her class about World War Two. Uh -huh. Yeah. And that was like. Who, I was like, who cares about that? And but it, it was it put it on my radar and it was like. So was that somebody, was she in your class and you heard it? She was one of my best friends. She she lived a couple uh, houses down and she, you know, caught on to the fact that mom was from France and she was really enamored by that idea. And she found out about World War II and they were studying history in high school, World War II. So she had mom come and talk to her class. 
Right. Well, I was just wondering if you were in the class that she spoke. Uh -uh. No. Well, so you didn't hear what she had to say. No. No, I was kind of annoyed by the whole thing. <laughs> I was at that time. You know, I was. Yeah, I, I'm certain if we could ask you. Why are you hanging out with my mom? That's not cool. <laughs> hey, but it's, you want to talk about that 20 years of her living here it was like all my friends all my friends um yeah they she had she enchanted them all yeah she really did i had to i started looking at and her through other people's that's eyes the other thing. it's like all of our friends were really fascinated they you know she enchanted them and, and you know we've talked about the hardness but she was an interesting interesting in you know in, in caring her friends i mean i the friends that she made here on her own who have become friends of mine because mm -hmm. of her friendship and the things that they they tell you know um yeah 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 there's a there there's a lot to her for fear of painting too much of a two-dimensional picture of it. so how do you think and I thought I've thought about this a lot. How do you think her age at the time of the war and the war in general, how do you think that affected her? Or do you even think that affected her in a you know long-term way? And if well, so, totally how made, it, it totally made the, the person that she was. And I think, you know, and you could even look at so here here's a a perspective um and this is me filling in some suppositions she at one point not i don't think terribly long before she met our father maybe a year or two um she was engaged probably only a year or so and there's a couple pictures he's a tall handsome handsome man and you know when i think about it okay why did she go with this kind of much more dumpy even you know, even back then. I mean, our dad had lovely wavy, wavy hair, but he, he had just had all of his teeth removed too when she right. met him. Yes, and, and we can go on about that story too, you know. And and I think about this whole idea of just wanting to get away and go to the land of milk and honey, you know. And, and I don't think it was as easy as she expected it to be either. And you know a, a lot of a lot of that, but I you know I, I think it totally totally made who she was. So you think her coming here had a lot to do with her kind of romanticized idea of the Americans because the Amer she remembers when the Americans freed the country, freed her town like that. That I've heard that story a lot from her. And, and, and you've heard more. You've heard more. You know. You, you credit me for maybe, you know, paving the way because I can tell you in um, a number of years before that, um, when David and I made our first trip over to to France, mm -hmm. she was supposed to go with us and she just kept not going for her passport and this and that. She really didn't want to go. Really? She, yeah, I think she pulled out at the last minute. That's in, I don't remember that, but that's interesting. Why do you think that she went with you in 2001? Well, the difference is, is it was to Belgium. So family's not there. And she had 
because she had demurred going before, um, I think she felt, you know, a little less afraid, but not a whole lot less afraid. And I think that um, Odette's mother, Tantrené, yeah. um, had to do with it because Tantrené was still alive. And I think, you know, I think that they had taken a, a, a quite a long trip, um, her and her children, uh, just a year or two before that. But yeah. I do remember with a, you know, cousin um, of theirs, of Renee's and, and mom's, was an older lady, and, and Renee had encouraged her to connect with her and I just had the worst time trying to get her to do it. I probably I literally had to shove her into a phone booth and say call. And so, you know, we connected with with one of the, the relatives there and did I you see that, did you see the relative? Pardon? Did you meet with the relative or just she we stayed overnight. Hmm. I think it was the next day or that we actually went over to her daughters and, and her families for dinner. But I, I remember everything about the experience. It was so, so amazing. And then, too, at that time, my French wasn't that good. I was not at a point where I was speaking yet. And then, you know, mom would feel obligated and, and would interpret because I could get the big words, but it's those little words that totally change the meaning. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, so that's where I started to get some some of the stories. So I think that you know that trip broke the ice. So we cooked up this trip to France, and even then I couldn't get her to try and find her family. <laughs> we had almost everything planned right down to the day and the minute, and there was no sign of family. Maybe a couple weeks before we were leaving. I was sitting in my office on a Sunday, catching up on work. She comes in. She says, guess who I talked to today? I said, who? My brother. So she had talked to her older brother, and they connected. And so that kind of started going. And then, Why didn't she talk to her siblings even? I mean... It's one thing when you have a falling out with your parents or with somebody in your family, but why did she just well, not I think, I, I think it had a lot to do with, you know, divide and conquer, the mother divide and conquer. Oh, yeah. And I don't think that she, yeah. maintained, I don't think she maintained much of a correspondence with her brothers throughout all the years. You know, looping back, one of the things I was thinking of when I asked you, you know, how you think the war impacted mom for the rest of her life, or if it even did, one of the things I thought about after I talked to a dad or while I was talking to a dad is the difference in ages of our parents. So Renee was a teenager. She was 15 years old. Our mother was seven when the war right. breaks out. And one of the things that Odette said, which I thought was spot on, is she said, you know, by the time you're 15, your personality is pretty well formed. But when you're seven years old, you know, and I think about that from my social work background and yes. the fact that you're not formed and you're developing emotionally um, and, you know, what you know about the world, I think that that had a more enduring and a more irreparable impact on our mother than, let's say, Renee. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, so I said that I think it made it made her. And, and you know, there's a parallel with you and that some of the toughest years in our family 
we had some some significant dysfunction in, mm-hmm. in later years. Then yeah. we were very young. I was about eight. I was about eight. And you know what's really interesting is dad was eight when his mother died. One of the things, I think that there is a lack of comprehension with some of our siblings of how affected you were and how difficult it was for you to overcome some of that. I, I have heard, maybe not from siblings, but spouses of siblings, or I know I've heard in the past, it's like, well, she was so young, you know, when it got better, when our, you mentioned, you know, you mentioned your sobriety. It's like, you know, when our father got sober, you were so young, but there was a lot of damage that had been done in those few years. Mm-hmm. There were difficulties, you know, with what happened between the two of us because I left home <laughs> I wanted to take you. People, yeah. uh, you know, people talked me out of it saying, you know, that's kidnapping. <laughs> well, it's interesting because, you know, you, you're right about the parallel. And even with my daughter, Noelle, who you're very close to mm-hmm. and is very close to you, um, she was eight years old when shit hit the fan, you know, mm-hmm. in our family. And yeah. I think that's really interesting how history. I mean, it's not the same thing, but it's, it's you know, it's, history, but it's the same life, traumatic life experiences. That yeah. Happen. Right. Right. That's interesting. Oh, this is heavy stuff. It is. But, you know, this has been a really thank you so much for talking to me about this. Um, I, I wasn't sure what, you know, how it would come out. Well, but I think, huh? Neither was I. <laughs> um, was there anything else that we haven't talked about that you think that you want to talk about as far as mom, World War II, our family, whatever? Well, you know, wait, the whole the whole thing with the archives that we have. And you allude to it. I mean, it is so, so powerful to see our mother and see, you know, at three, right, in moving pictures, Mm. riding her little tricycle and the joy, the joie de vivre that that she had and um, the fun that they had, Um, you know, and then so, you know, we spend all the time talking about, you know, the horrific stuff, but there was at least that base. And I remember years and years ago, one of the first few times that I started to put like a DVD together for you, and I photographed some of the film, and you had a chance to watch it. And one of the things that you said to me, was I was so surprised and I never realized how happy I was when I was that young. Mm. You know? Yeah. And and that means something. And and, and 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 I think that that it's what how be a survivor that maybe had a tough side. Yeah. But also had a good side. Mm. You know? Yeah, I think that oh, this is gonna. I'm gonna cry. 
Taylor, I always have that effect, don't I? Well, I think that I, I, I've realized that I believe we carry our history inside of ourselves. And, you know, even if we didn't actually live it, I don't know if it's through DNA, although there is some research that suggests that uh, thing experiences are passed down through DNA, or if it's a subtle behavior of parenting, you know, whatever. I don't know what it is, but I, I do believe we carry that inside of ourselves. And there's even, you know, maybe some people think this is extreme, but there's even a, um, a method of therapy where uh, we, we go back and heal our ancestral history. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I've never done that. I don't know if it's a real thing, but I kind of do think it's a real thing. I think for me, one of the things I started to realize when I went to therapy and stopped drinking and did all that stuff is that I have always had this underlying terror and fear that doesn't make a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. And and it's like, you know, what did you call mom's um, stoic? It's yeah. kind of the same idea, but it's fear inside of me. And, and I think a lot of that comes from our mother's experiences and our father's experiences. It's like, don't get comfortable. Don't feel joy. Don't do any of those things because something really horrific is going to happen or could happen. And, um, you know, I, I think that that was really eye-opening to me to see it on the footage you refer to because you know, like looking at mom when she was three years old and the joy in her and, you know, that was the same footage of me pretty much, except for I was five probably. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think you you hit the nail on the head with that. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was growing up the way we grew up and we all still talk to each other, all six of us, mm -hmm. in spite of our differences. And I think that's, that's profound and that has a lot to do with our parents in mm -hmm. spite of themselves. They really did do the best they could and they did better than their parents. Right. And, and you know what? That is exactly, those words are exactly how I was able to, to come back around because as you remember, I left home at 18 right. and thought it was going to, our father's attitude would blow over in a few weeks and it lasted three years. Mm -hmm. And it was only at the point where exactly, I, you know, I, they did the best they could. They didn't mean, you know, they didn't mean to hurt us. They provided some really good times. I mean, if you look at all those Christmases, you yeah. know, it's almost like they, both of them, our father who didn't have a mother and had a horrendous, you know, childhood upbringing. He was, he ended up being in a, in a boy's home with a, mm -hmm. With his teenage years, right. um, and and our mother, her last happy Christmas, Saint Nicholas Day, they 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 really they really worked hard to 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 make things as good as they could, and you know the years the years caught up, and there were some there were a few really really tough years, and you know you talk about the the terror that that you feel when you, you think that part of it's our, our parents' terror, you lived through some really difficult times. Yeah, you know, we did. That's true. You know, and you were, you were a baby. I mean, you know, yeah. you were young. You were like our mother. And there were nights that we didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. 
you know, it's the same, it's the same exact emotions. So you have them. They they ended up doing what they did because they had them. Yeah. That's one of the ways that it gets visited generally. Well, it was familiar. Terror was familiar right. to them. Yes. Well, and I think that this just goes back to this idea that we do need to go back and look at our past and shine a light on it, no matter how uncomfortable it feels, you know, not to point the finger and blame anybody. Although for me, that was part of my process. Well, thank you for this. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. And I really don't, I want, I would like to have more of our voices in this project. I'm one of six children and that's part of the story too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So um I have a total left turn from where we were because earlier um you were talking about identifying with your my French roots. And one of the things that I realized, and strangely enough, not till a number of years ago, um but French was really the first language I heard. Yeah, that's interesting. For six months, and and I was I was there, and so I have an ear for it. So it hurts my ears when I speak, um, and I can tell a good you know a good accent. Um, but I think of when you talk about what's in our what's in our DNA. Mm-hmm. I remember years and years ago, and it was over twenty six. It was probably thirty thirty five years ago. Um, there was a French bakery. I was living in, in Lansing, Michigan. And there was a little French bakery that opened up. I mean, wow, back then that was really something. And I re- it was in the mall. And I remember going up and buying a baguette. And it was still warm. And I can still place me with, with chalk um, walking out to the parking lot and just instinctively breaking off a piece. And the smell just brought me to tears. It was like wow. so familiar. So it was just, uh, wow. just intense. And I can still, this many years later, I can I still remember it. And the thing that was really cool when mom and I went to Dijon, when we went over um, to 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 Nef for where the other side where to yeah. Neff. Was Neff. So we walk down the street and there's the bakery that our great grandmother bought her bread, was still there mm-hmm. continuously. Um, I'm not sure that they still have the wood fired um, oven, but the same bakery. And we were oh, able wow. to buy, we bought bread where our great-grandmother got her bread. Wow, yeah. And probably even back, maybe is back to the World War I. And you know, in one of my souvenir books from that trip, mm-hmm. I had the bag, I flattened out the bag <laughs> because it had the, the name on it and the picture. And oh, will you take a picture and send it to me? I will, I will. Yeah, have a great day. Hang out, hang in there. And there you have it. Thank you for joining us today for part two of my interview with my older sister, Coletta Perry. 
Remember, you can keep up to date with all the latest news about Last Train Leaving Belgium, the podcast, as well as the documentary, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. To find out how you can support the show, go to our episode notes and find the Ko-fi link. Have a great day.